Welcome to another episode of the World Nurse Collective Podcast. I'm Kat, show creator and your host to meeting nurses and other healthcare individuals from around the globe. From labor and delivery units to palliative care, from Vancouver, Canada to Sydney, Australia, you'll hear about their day-to-day, as well as their inspiring and extraordinary stories. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the World Nurse Collective for more episodes like this one. And if you can, head over to patreon.com slash World Nurse Collective, where for as little as two bucks a month, you can make a valuable contribution and keep these conversations going. So on that note, no matter where you are, I hope you enjoy the show. Megan Noble is an ER nurse who works across Canada and wears many hats while managing a very hectic schedule. Her schedule includes travel nursing, dental anesthesiology, studying for a master's degree in nursing, and nurse mentoring, as well as fitting some time in to be on my podcast. So she shares with us how to stay organized, focused, motivated, and resilient, no matter the obstacles or constraints, even doing all this through a pandemic. I had a great time speaking to Megan, and her energy is absolutely positive and vibrant and will leave you inspired. So here she is, Megan Noble. Hi, everyone. My name's Megan, for those who are listening, um, and I am an emergency RN. Awesome. How long have you been doing that for? Six and a half years. Six and a half years as an emergency RN or six and a half years as nursing? Um, Six and a half years as an emergency RN. Um, Within that time, I've also done dental anesthesia as well. Oh, okay. Okay. And so you started in that? Yeah, so I graduated and I got a six-month new grad position. And from there, I got hired on full-time in emergency. And my new grad was also in emergency. Um, I worked full-time for about three years. I got trauma and triage trained. Um, And then I wanted more of a challenge. So I decided to do travel nursing across Canada. I started completing travel nursing contracts just in Nova Scotia, I ended up going out there um, for a contract, fell in love with it. And I just kept returning back to the same hospital. So I've done about 10 contracts out there in Cape Breton as of today. And over the last two years, um, just to do something on the side, I've been doing dental anesthesia for a periodontist for dental surgery. That's awesome. So that's, that's in a private clinic? Yes, it's a private clinic. That's fantastic. How's nursing in Nova Scotia? I guess like as a travel nurse, you'll need different um, provincial licenses and registrations or? Yes. Um, So you have to do another jurisprudence exam if you want to practice in another province. Um, Mm -hmm. And you also have to get another license. Um, You don't have to write another exam. You just have to apply through um, their provincial board of nursing and pay for another license. And then you're good. Yeah. Okay, awesome. So what made you choose to go into nursing in the first place? It's a great question. Um, mm-hmm. So I initially did kinesiology coming from high school. Um, I lacked a lot of direction from guidance counselors. And I, I had a, a few nurses in my family at the time, and they um, had encouraged me to go into nursing, but I didn't really know what a nurse did. Um, mm-hmm. I was very ignorant at that time. And to be honest, um, all I thought nursing was, was changing diapers. And I was a little Gosh, bit, me too. yeah, I was a little bit of a brat. Um, so I said, you know, no, I'm not doing that. I was always interested in the body and 
I was always interested in medicine. Um, so I went into kinesiology and I did that and graduated there. But um, shortly after starting, I realized that kinesiologists weren't regulated and that I wasn't going to have a job after. Um, mm. So that's when I, I reconsidered nursing, I looked into that and I realized they had the compressed nursing programs. Um, and I ended up applying to the one at U of T and I started that after. So mainly initially it was just to have a job um, to pay off all my student loans. But um, quickly when I when I started nursing, I ended up just falling in love with it. And I really did enjoy the the patient care aspect of it. That's awesome. You enjoy the bedside? I do. I do. I feel like um, at this point, you know, working six and a half years and now I've just started my master's and I'm sure we'll get into that. But um, yeah. I, I feel like um, I still enjoy the bedside, but I just want to take on more of a different role and more responsibility now. That's fantastic. Yeah, I was uh, I was pretty ignorant as to what nursing entailed when I was younger, too. Um, I don't think that there's enough detail that goes into describing the career in, in high school for kids. You know, like um, like you, I really thought that it was a lot of uh, orderly work. Mm -hmm. And I thought that anything else that involved any kind of like medical aspect of it really was left to the doctor. You know? Yes, no, I agree. And yeah, I think there does need to be more guidance. And we need to encourage students to shadow and to get out there and to really see um, what the nursing role is capable of, because it's not just one area at the bedside either. I mean, mm -hmm. you can work for an insurance company at a desk. Um, you can do home care and go into people's homes. So um, it's very diverse. And you can work in any area as well. So there's plenty of opportunity. Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, like, I think also um, students that want to go into maybe law and uh, um, like police or, or law enforcement, but there's also like forensic nursing. And it's just, it's incredible. Once you get into school, once you graduate, once you get on the job, it's only like then that you start to realize how wide the the array or the range of, of jobs that you can have as a nurse. On, you know? Yeah, the possibilities are really endless. I think that if it's introduced a little bit more thoroughly in uh, in high school, at the high school level, we might be able to tackle at least a little bit of the nursing shortage that we have. I agree. Yeah. Awesome. So um, you explained to us why you chose nursing and your specialty. Now you did mention that you are studying for a master's. I am. Um, so I'm in my second year of my master's nurse practitioner program at the University of Toronto. Um, so I'm just finishing up this year and um, I chose to do my master's um, NP just to have more responsibility when it comes to my patients, um, mm -hmm. have more education and more scope of practice. Okay. How has that been? What's that transition been like? Like, did you, did you go into it? Like when you were going through nursing, when you started nursing, did you go in knowing that you were going to try to take it as far as possible for the levels of study? Or is this something that you kind of uh, decided recently and, and pursued? Yeah, actually, no, I, I had no plans really on doing a master's or my nurse practitioner when I was in nursing school, because um, as I had mentioned earlier, I really lacked confidence 
growing up. Um, and I didn't think that I was smart enough to be honest, but, but then, you know, nursing is what really gave me a voice. Um, on entering nursing school, I had moved to Toronto. I didn't know anyone here. Um, so I, I decided to join student council and that opened up um, a breadth of opportunity for me at the University of Toronto, um, joining different organizations, um, faculty, student, collaborative committees, um, and just getting to know everyone and getting to know what my resources were and what my capabilities were. Um, and then when I got into emergency, um, my confidence just just kind of spiraled and became to grow from there um, once you kind of found your feet and found your way. Um, and as I became a competent, confident emergency nurse, um, and yeah, I, I really saw what I was capable of. That's when I decided to go back to do a master's NP just to, I kind of felt helpless as a nurse. Um, the, the last mm -hmm. couple of years, I just, I felt, you know, working out in Nova Scotia and working in the emergency department here, um, there's only so much you can do. And I wanted to take on a greater role to help patients. So that's why I decided to go back. That's awesome. You just want to take it as far as you can, like provide as much care as you can. Exactly. Yeah. How have your employers taken to it? They know that you're, you're pursuing a further degree and are they supportive like and, and juggling the schedule I imagine is something else too yeah so my employer is very supportive um, or employers because I feel like I have a million jobs because I work for <laughs> agency um, and then the dental office and then the hospital um, so I actually dropped down to casual a few years ago when I started to pursue travel nursing um, mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter because I make my own schedule now um, mm -hmm. so I just schedule myself when I, you know, when I need shifts or when I, when I need funds and, and then I take a break when I need to. And it's, it's been really nice to really enjoy my twenties, um, because I can, you know, work a whole bunch over the, over two to three months. And then I can go away, um, for two months at a time, you know, backpacking or traveling. And that, that's what I did the last three years prior to starting, um, my master's. So, you know, juggling the schedule has really been up to me. And that's been nice because there's no pressure to work a certain amount of hours. And, you know, I don't, I remember my first year of nursing, I wanted to go away and I only had three weeks of vacation. And, you know, you're so junior, you, you don't even get granted those three weeks or you don't get granted mm -hmm. the three weeks together. So, um, you know, working casually in the emergency department is actually very smart because they always need nurses. You're never going to be short hours and you can just create your own schedule. You know, you don't get the benefits um, and you you get in lieu of vacation pay. Um, and I think you do get in lieu of benefits as well. Um, and I think you can have the option to pay into benefits. But for me, I'd rather have the free time and um, the free reign and make my own schedule. Awesome. Do you do that as a free agent, let's say, or are you working through an agency? So when I when I work at the hospital, it's through them. So they will okay. simply just text me shifts or email me shifts that are available um, for, let's say, the month of awesome. um, and then I just pick and choose what I want. And then 
for the agency work, um, it's usually full-time contracts. So when I go out to work in Nova Scotia, I'll just say, you know, I can work an eight-week contract starting this day, ending this day. And you can negotiate with them um, what days you want off. You know, if you only want to work days, if you only want to work nights, um, if you need certain days off in between, because maybe you have you know, a conference or a meeting, or maybe you have an assignment due because everyone is working online now for school. Um, so negotiate yeah. with them and um, you can negotiate a pay as well. Um, and then the dental office that I work for is also just casual. So they send me um, a schedule um, ahead of time, just like a doodle poll, and I pick what, what days I'm available to work. I think you're definitely exemplifying the fact that like, um, nursing is not just the Monday to Friday and every other weekend and then rotation of day, evening and night shifts. I mean, like, I think that's also a big fear that people have going into it is that they're going to be stuck with every other weekend or very limited free time. Um, there's definitely alternatives. There's definitely ways to manage your schedule around your family life, around your, your personal life. Um, I think you're definitely proving that you're going for a master's, you're working in several different places. So and you're managing it all. It's great. Definitely. And I, I think, you know, there's like glowing, growing up as a millennial, there's a lot of preconceived notions that our parents give us, like, you got to work hard. My, you know, my dad was in the Navy. Um, and he was all about work, work, work. Um, you got to work for a living. And um you know, and that's all he really did growing up. That's all I saw. And I just saw, you know, the impacts that that had on him um, and my family. And I wanted a little bit more for myself. I wanted a work-life balance. And I thought, you know, why do we work so hard in our 20s and 30s and then to live for retirement? And then we might not even make it to retirement or we might not even be able to do the things when we retire that we wanted to do, like skydive or parasail in mm -hmm. Columbia, like the things that I got to do over the last three years. Um, so I just tried to live a balanced life and, you know, do, um, like take the opportunities as they come to me because you only live once. And, um, I, like I, I live my life, like I, when I die tomorrow, I want to be happy with the way that life is yeah. lived. And I, I don't want to yeah. work myself to the bone. Um, I, I want it to be balanced. And, you know, when you choose your schedule, you're happier going into work because you're not forced to be there. Yeah, definitely. You have more control of your time, which gives you much better quality mm -hmm. of life. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. So it's basically, it's like working smart, like you're still working yeah. hard, but work yes, smart. Yes, they work hard, play hard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so hang on a second now, let's backtrack. Skydiving? Okay, I didn't go skydiving, <laughs> but I did go parasailing in Colombia. Um, I went to the Amazon, <laughs> I went, yeah, I... I ended up challenging myself and going backpacking in South America for six weeks by myself. Um, wow. Yeah. And that was, and, and I did that with my travel nurse money. Um, Cause you end up making um, a significant amount more when you travel nurse. Cause you know, you, you, but you are making sacrifices. You're leaving your friends, you're leaving your family, you're leaving your comfort zone. Um, but I think mm -hmm. that's what life is about. And that's what growing is about. It's about, you know, getting out of your comfort zone and doing things that are, are uncomfortable in order to grow. Yeah, definitely. There's my favorite saying right there is nothing grows in the comfort zone. Exactly. You got to step yeah. out of it. That's awesome. So um, I'd like to know what your opinion is on what kind of uh, like 
character strengths and assets somebody might have to return to school after their RN or LPN, like to go and pursue a further degree? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think you need a lot of resilience. Um, mm -hmm. That's definitely number one because it's it's difficult to juggle it all. You know, when you're going back for a master's, um, you're a student again. <laughs> and, and it had been five years since, since I had been in school, so I had to learn how to write papers again, you know, APA, um, all of that fun stuff. So you definitely need resilience through the tough times, but you also need that in nursing and in life. Um, yeah. I would say, you know, be kind to yourself. Um, take that time for self-care because you are going to be really busy. I know I schedule every Friday night. Um, my boyfriend cooks me like an elaborate meal. He's like this cook. Um, and uh, he, so, so we take a night on Friday nights to, you know, just slow down and relax. Um, what else? Be positive, nice. um, but you have to, you have to be determined and you have to want to do it. Like you can't just kind of, um, half make a decision. Oh yeah. I want to go back to school. Like at some point you just have to say yes and you have to do it and you have to make the commitment. Have you found any challenges in regards to like the studying aspect, like after having not been in school for a little bit and then going back, like, have there been changes over the years? Have there been things that maybe your job taught you that contributed towards studying or, um, like any challenges that you might have had or difficulties going um, back? It was a little bit of an adjustment at first, you know, um, getting back into that academic mode. But I feel like with all my life experience and just this person I've become and how nursing has helped me become, um, I'm just so determined. I'm such a determined, motivated, resilient person. And I I've, and I've ended up being quite successful in this course and taking on a lot of extracurriculars. Um, so it's it's just something I kind of developed over time, um, you know, taking control of my life early on by, you know, travel nursing and making my own schedule um, and, you know, developing that confidence in my nursing skill, but also in my personal life as well. Um, and just really knowing that you can do anything you want to do, like if like if you set your mind to it. My one of my best friends, um, it's funny, we met together only three years ago at the gym, but we're pretty much inseparable now. And we she always tells me, you know, Megan, you can do everything, but not or sorry, you can do anything, but not everything. And it's so true. Huh. Um, yeah. So, definitely. you know, this this year I wanted to really challenge myself in like a nursing leadership role, not only just entering my master's in nurse practitioner, but um, something outside of that. So I ended up applying to be the vice president of the Graduate Nurses Student Society last year and I ended up winning. Wow. And I, I didn't really think that it would, you know, spiral into being president this year. But, um, and I didn't really think I was capable of either of those positions, but I think I've done a great job and you just, you never know, you have to try. Um, so I ended up doing that. Um, and 
I ended up getting published this year as well through um, the periodontist I work for. He's very affiliated with different journals and stuff. Um, so me and my boyfriend actually co-wrote an article on being resilient in the pandemic during like and being a professional student because he's in my boyfriend wow. studying dentistry. So I thought that was a really relevant article. It was top five things to demonstrate resilience. Being a professional student during the COVID-19 pandemic It's just things that I've learned and I've used that have been successful for me. And I wanted to share it with others. Everything you just said is like so inspiring. You know, it's such a great feeling to empower others and to empower nurses um, because we yeah. really do hold the power. We're the backbone to, to healthcare and to medicine. Um, so mm -hmm. I think it's really important that, you know, we feel confident and we feel supported in our jobs. Yeah, and definitely lift each other up. You know, there's a lot of talk about like, and, and this has been going on for forever, where nurses eat mm -hmm. their young, but we really need to start, especially like through this pandemic and beyond. We really need to start picking each other up, holding each other up and uh, encouraging each other. So I, I think your story is freaking awesome. <laughs> I'm so glad you decided Thank to join you. me. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Can you take us through a typical shift in ER? So that's a great question. There's never a typical shift or a typical day in ER. Um, you're going to have something <laughs> different. I mean, you're going to have similar scenarios, but um, you could be working, you know, in urgent care because there's different segments of ER depending on where you work. At my hospital, there's two emergency inpatient units. There's a rapid assessment zone where you're not quite sick enough to have a bed um, or go to urgent care. You're kind of in between. And then you have, we have our urgent care. Um, we also have um, a sexual assault domestic violence unit and then a psychiatric ER unit. So we're quite a big ER. Um, wow. so, um, yeah. I mean, when you're at triage, you're, you're seeing many different things and you're dealing with many different things and um you deal with the interdisciplinary team as an er nurse but you also deal with ems and police outside of the interdisciplinary team in the hospital um so i mean on a typical day you could get someone just with a laceration and you have to clean that up and the, the doctor will suture it or you could get someone with you know um, really severe abdominal pain. So you have to, you do uh, medical directives in the ER. So depending on what people present with, and if they meet certain criteria, you can start medical directives. So they already have blood work completed. They might have IV fluids running, an ECG already completed. The doctor comes right. in, they have all that information already. The doctor or provider, because yep. you're now seeing nurse practitioners in emergency departments as well. Um, or you can just have a you can have a cardiac arrest and you have to be, you know, ready and have a team ready for that coming in. And usually EMS patches that into us so we're ready. Um, and then we can get all the supplies and all the team ready to to do that. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I just started nursing in uh ER recently and Man, you learn a lot and you learn to work on the fly yeah, and quick. It's very fast paced. <laughs> um, yeah, you, you really need to critically think think on your feet um, and you have to anticipate um, 
what that patient will need and what the provider might want as well. You know, different providers, you'll see different doctors, different NPs that you work with um, might prefer, you know, certain blood tests or certain things to be done with the patient. So you not only have to learn how to be a nurse, um, learn like when you're new, learn how to be an ER nurse. You also have to learn, you know, your environment and your coworkers and learn the flow of the department too. In the ER, you know, there's there's a lot of information to know there's a lot of policies procedures and your medical directives um i would always say you know listen to your patients and never assume um i've been caught a few times where you know someone comes in to triage i can't really think of an example right now um where they're saying they have chest pain and you know you really don't think it's cardiac. You don't think it's a typical because it's not a typical cardiac presentation, but you put the ECG on them and they're having a STEMI, like they're having a big heart attack. So never, ever mm -hmm. assume you need evidence. Um, even when you get report from another nurse or the paramedics, you know, when they say they give you one story, always go and do your own assessment because it could be different or they could be missing something or maybe the patient's condition just changed. Listen to your patients, you know, ask a lot of questions. Um, I don't know if you were paired up with a trainee or um, um, or a trainer or a mentor when you first started, but having a mentor can be really helpful. Yeah, yeah I think that typically when you go through orientation in any department, um, you're going to be paired up with somebody. But uh, also, I mean, like developing a relationship with some of the, your coworkers really helps. I mean, like you, you learn tricks of the trade that Definitely. you don't learn in school. So, um, you know, find those senior people in the department who are very well respected and who are, you know, super users or super learners that we call them sometimes um, that know all those policies mm -hmm. and procedures and, you know, ask them questions. If you're unsure of something, always ask. Um, and I would also say it's really easy to get burnt out in ER. It's really easy. You know, you're so busy. Everyone comes in, they all have a problem and you're trying to juggle a million things at once. But, you know, never lose your, I, I call it humanness. <laughs> never lose your humanness. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's always going to be someone's grandpa, someone's aunt, someone's sister, someone's mom. That's always going, you always have to put um, put the patient or I, I always put my, um, what am I trying to say? my uh put yourself exactly. in their shoes um i i, I yeah, always try and treat someone like i would my own family member when they come in because um, you know that yeah. they deserve that and you know yeah just never lose your humanness it's easy to you know see the patient almost as an object in that stretcher um but they are mm -hmm. you know a human and they deserve the best care they de deserve the highest quality and, and safe care as well so that's the advice I would yeah. give. Well, um, I'd like to get a little bit candid and know too, were there any situations that you were in that you felt like maybe you could have handled differently that maybe some of our listeners can, can learn from from your experience? Um, I think, yes, as, as a new nurse, it's very difficult to handle conflict with your coworkers. Um, so it's it's difficult to have conversations sometimes when you're noticing some things are wrong or someone else is doing something wrong or maybe you even are doing something wrong. Um, so I think at first it was very difficult 
for me to approach people and, you know, say, you know, I noticed like at shift change, you, you didn't, or you had the wrong IV fluid hanging or, you know, like tell them when they made a mistake, because if, if they don't know that they're not going to know that. Yeah. I mean, you'll put in an, um, an incident report, but I think it's really important to go up and tell that nurse, um, and have that conversation. Um, because I would expect someone to do the same with me. Um, so really learning yeah. how to have those difficult conversations. Um, but you know, they're so important for everyone's learning and, you yeah. know, um, I feel like in the ER nowadays or in my ER, they're really streamlining the training process and, you know, we're not calling out our coworkers. So people are going months and months and months in their training without knowing that they did something wrong. And then by the time, like it's six months down, down the line and, you know, they think they're super nurse and they've actually been doing something wrong the whole time or, but no one told them. So yeah. I think just, yeah. you know, being comfortable having difficult conversations. Yeah, definitely. That's a really good point. I'm I, like, I've seen it myself a nurse that thinks they're doing something the right way, but it's because they were taught the wrong way by somebody who was never told that they were doing it the wrong way and on mm -hmm. and on it goes, you know, luckily it's never been anything super serious, but I mean, it could, it could be right. You know, it yeah. Could be. what about staying organized on your shift and like staying focused on the shift? Like there's gotta be times where you're more tired than others, obviously. How do you, how do you keep your wits um, about you? When I first started, I actually made my own little report sheet that I printed out and I brought with me a shift and I would write everything down. But now as time goes on, um, I'm pretty good at organizing everything in my head. Um, but for any new nurses that are starting in ER, I would recommend making yourself a little report sheet. Um, that was always really helpful for me. Um, and just constantly going through your patients. So if I have a four patient assignment and I complete a task, I come out, I regroup and I say, okay, what's next? Like what's the, the highest priority? Cause that's what it is in ER. You have to get the highest priority stuff completed. Um, which, you know, mm -hmm. it that was really hard for me at first because I'd be at the desk, I'd be in the middle of charting and a family member would come out and say, um, can my mom have a glass of water? And I'd be like, oh yeah, of course. And I would get up to go get that. And I remember my mentor being like, Megan, no, finish what you're doing. And then you can go, like they can wait five minutes mm -hmm. to, to get that glass of water, which is true because when you come back, you might get pulled somewhere else and then you didn't finish your charting, you didn't finish your thought and something might get missed. Um, so I think yeah, whenever I come out of a room, I say, okay, what's priority now? Um, and then once I'm done that, I, I just constantly go through my patients. I'll, I'll be like, okay, bed one, what are they still waiting for? Okay. We're waiting for that test result to come back bed two. Oh, oh, they need their IV fluid switched. Okay. Like let's do that now. And then like I go bed three, bed four, and then I just start again, bed one, bed two, bed three. That's how I kind of cycle it. Um, in my head throughout the day. I think also like um, what I've learned too is um, like you said, you have to take the time to do what it is that you're doing. Focus on what you're doing at hand. Um, but then also accept the fact that like some things are going to take longer than others. And if you multitask, some things might yeah. fall through the cracks. Yeah. You know, you, 
you got to be able to multitask to a certain degree, but you also have to be able to, you know, give yourself some kind of leeway, some kind of forgiveness to, to kind of slow down the pace if that's what you need at the moment to, to focus. And, you know, use your team. Um, if someone needs to go up to the bathroom, um, like, you know, there's health care aides on the unit you can call or even your RN partner that you're that you're working with or just someone that's free. You know, mm -hmm. use your team. You weren't alone. Um, we all need to help each other because mm -hmm. it is a difficult place to work like you, you can't just do everything by yourself like even repositioning patients and you know lifting them up in the bed like you can't do that yourself with some of these patients that you know aren't very mobile or or are a little bit bigger like you you, you want to save your back and you want to be safe so your team <laughs> mm -hmm. now i'm going to jump jump back again um into your into your mm -hmm. school and your education um, getting your master's, have there been things in the ER that you've learned and, and through um, dental anesthesia, like, and through travel nursing, things that you are applying to your schooling? Are there any, um, I guess, papers or anything like that that you're writing that uh, you're pulling from your experience in the hospitals? Yeah, definitely. Um, I ended up doing a um, collaborative specialization last year in resuscitation science. So if you do your master's of nursing at the University of Toronto, you have the um, opportunity to do a collaborative specialization in a certain area. So you can do um, palliative care and aging, you can do resuscitation science like I did, you can do bioethics, uh, women's studies, and I believe there's one more, I think it's addictions. Um, so with my background in eMERGE, um, the resuscitation science one appealed to me and we got to choose um, our paper topics. So one of my paper topics was um, why outcomes in cardiac arrest are worse on night shift. Um, that, which oh, wow. is a little bit of a controversial topic. Um, and, you know, a, a lot of leaders and political players don't want to hear that. But the fact is that they they are worse on nights when I did do my research on it. Um, and yeah, you get to you can pull from your experience and, um, and and do different papers that you're that that you want to learn more about. I think for me, um, outside of that class, I really wanted to challenge myself in this program. When we get an opportunity to pick a paper topic, I want to choose one that I don't really know anything about because that's the way I'm going to learn. Um, you know, I, I've always been interested in cardiac stuff, so I'm trying to kind of do my papers on other topics. Any tips or techniques or tricks that you've learned that you have up your sleeve that you can share with us? Mm. <laughs> well, I guess in regards to IV insertion, for me, I if I have a really difficult IV, I'll do a double tourniquet. Yeah. And I find that really? that helps sometimes. Um, so what do you I'll mean? Do Wait a minute. Describe this. Instead of one of the rubber keys. Um, and it, mm -hmm. it'll make those like tiny veins pop a little bit more. So I find that that works for me. Awesome. I'm so glad I asked yeah, that. That's a little like thing, an right? Inch apart <laughs> or something. Um, obviously, I try not to leave them on too long just because it's uncomfortable for the patient. No. Um, but yeah, I would say I use that little trick. Um, I mean, there's a little trick I have for catheter insertion. I don't know how appropriate it is for 
Yeah, yeah, no, go ahead. It's a nursing. I mean, like, yeah, there's nothing cool. that's off um, limits. So <laughs> I have a bit of a funny story. So I, I just did a placement at Toronto General Hospital. And, um, you know, as a nurse practitioner student now, if if the RNs have a problem on the unit, they're coming to you, like, you know, what are you going to do about this? And um, we had a patient that um, they they were unable to get a catheter in a, a Foley catheter. Um, so instead of calling urology and getting them involved, I have a little trick that I was taught a few years ago in ER. Um, so you can use a CUDE catheter for those of you who don't know what that is. It's a catheter that like curves at the tip a little bit um, and it's a little bit harder. Um, so in those patients, that have enlarged prostates, huh. you can use that. But in, in this case, um, there wasn't one on the floor. So this nurse um, a few years ago taught me this trick. If you press up um, between the anus and the scrotum, there's like that little area. If you press mm -hmm. into the patient, I don't know how this works because the urethra runs through the prostate, but somehow it lifts the prostate up and the Foley just glides in like butter. <laughs> it's worked oh, for kidding. every single patient that I've tried this on that's been a difficult catheter insertion. The nurses tried multiple times on this patient and I did that little trick and it just went right in. I'm sure you've got people rewinding right now. Like, what was yeah, the nurse how, how asked me what I did? And um, I think English was her second language. And I'm not quite sure if she understood what I was explaining to her. And she thought I actually had pulled on the patient's scrotum. And then they went around the nursing unit being like, what? I've never heard of pulling on a scrotum and catheter going. And I'm like, no, 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 that is not what I did. <laughs> Um, oh, no. Yeah, I actually, and if you don't have another nurse to help you, you can get the patient actually to push up um, on that area. And that's what I had to do in that case because um, the nurse was busy and she was dealing with something else. So you can either get your nursing colleague to press up on that area or you can get the patient themselves to press. And um, it's always gone in for me. Awesome. <laughs> that is a fantastic tip. Really, like I said, I'm sure people are going to be rewinding. Like, okay, yeah, I, I hope notes. that helps, and you guys can all be the catheter queens or kings. So earlier, you mentioned uh, having a mentor or uh, someone that can kind of guide you through your career. Have you had anybody that that you've turned to that has stood out? Um, yeah, I, like I've had the opportunity to have a few mentors, but. Um, I would say that my primary mentor was um, the mentor I was paired up with for my new grad. Um, it's kind of a funny story because I was paired with her for six months. And at first, you know, our personalities, I just, you know, they, they really clash. She was really hard on me. And I thought about quitting so many times. Um, and then towards the mm -hmm. end, you know, obviously you get better. Um and you kind of graduate from your little new grad program and you go on, I got a full-time position and we ended up going traveling together a few months later with another group of girls. We went to Southeast Asia um, and now we're best friends. <laughs> um, and we traveled together. Um, so she's, awesome. I guess she's been my mentor um, this whole time. Really, if I had any questions, I went to her and I always like bugger and say that everything that I learned was from her. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think having, <laughs> you know, one solid person that you that you respect and that you trust um, 
to go to to ask your questions is really important. Um, and it doesn't even necessarily have to be a nurse. Um, it can be someone else um, in medicine. I know that my nurse practitioner preceptor that I just had, she didn't have a nurse practitioner mentor to go to. And one of the physicians ended up kind of being her mentors that she works with. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a nurse. Um, it could even be a nursing educator um, or someone else in your department. But I think mentorship is really important. We need to feel supported. And as you said earlier, we need to lift up other nurses and really support each other. It's a really difficult profession to work in. You know, we see the worst of the worst, but it's very rewarding as well. But we need someone to speak to and, you know, debrief at the end of the day because, um, you know, our loved ones and our family, sometimes they just can't relate. No, for sure. And you don't want to bring it home with you either. Mm -hmm. It's it's a lot for them to handle too. Like we kind of through exposure and over time, like we don't become numb to it, but we definitely mm -hmm. become a little bit less sensitive to it. No, and you can't bring yeah. that home all the time. So I hope that like listeners actually are encouraged or inspired now to, um, to maybe see if they can't start like a mentorship program within their unit or within their organization. That's a fantastic idea. Yeah. Um, and actually, I did start a mentorship program this year for the Master of Nursing students at U of T. Um, I thought it was it was it was really simple. So I, I did my undergrad here and um, it was the compressed program. So you only have year one and year two students and they pair year two students up with year ones. So they have the mentor and the mentee. And we didn't have something like that in graduate school. And, you know, coming into as a, you know, all of us have been out of school for five, sometimes 10 years. Um, we need that person to help us navigate the program and just navigate, you know, a new role and new profession. So I did something similar to what the undergrads have had done when I was here. And I paired year two students with year one. And it's actually working out um, really well so far. And everyone's been really thankful to just have someone help them navigate through the, the program and also through the pandemic. What about any life lessons that you've learned through nursing that you've been applying on a personal level? Anything that comes to mind? Um, I think I think just the resilience piece that I spoke to before. Um, you know, it's mm -hmm. life is going to go on, um, and we need. You know, I think our lives are going to be forever changed, and healthcare is going to be forever changed after this pandemic. And I think just, you know finding alternative ways to complete things and getting creative when, you know, there's a roadblock. Um, so for instance, um, I talk about this in my article that you're going to post, but this, so last year, my placement was canceled, my first NP placement. Um, so we're down a little bit of hours and a lot of us are like, well, are we going to be prepared to go out in the field when we graduate? Cause we don't have as many hours um, and experience. And instead of, you know, mm sitting at home, I, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to buy case study books and um, I'm going to watch YouTube videos on assessments and I'm going to practice all my assessments on my loved ones, like over the phone. So like my, my health assessment and I practice my uh, physical exam on my boyfriend. He's probably so sick of it. Um, but yeah, he was my little <laughs> guinea pig, but you know, just finding alternative ways to still um, complete tasks and still keep up with your graduation requirements and you're going to be a better person for it. So 
Um, yeah, just really just being resilient and practicing that I think will help you in every aspect of your life. And just being confident, you know, find your why, find out why you're doing this. And, um, and it just kind of spins off from there and takes off. Megan, on that note, I want to thank you so much. You are um, definitely an asset to this industry and to thank you so much for having me, Katya. I'd love to have absolutely. You back I would love to come back. Um, I'll, I'll also share my contact information if anyone want, wants to reach out if they have any questions. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you liked this episode. While I keep editing to a minimum, I do edit out most locations patients, co-workers, and employer names unless specified by my guest. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave your comments and questions on your podcast player of choice. Check out the show notes for any links and resources we may have mentioned. Support the World Nurse Collective by donating as little as two bucks a month on patreon.com forward slash world nurse collective. Until next episode, stay safe, healthy, happy, and inspired.